1050, Aaron Karolnik and Carlo Koliakovo with you. Brian Hayes, the host of Overdrive, will join us in just a moment. The Waste Management Open Contest continues here on First Up and on Overdrive. We'll give away a keyword in about 30 minutes or so. And if you hear the keyword, the cue to call on Overdrive from between 4 and 7 this afternoon, you'll need to give them the cue, the cue, the keyword that we gave out, and they'll give out the cue to call. It's a little convoluted, but again, that's... Uh, I'm so you know, confused. People, yeah, I know. Well, whatever. We'll, we'll explain <laughs> it a little better. Brian Hayes will do it better on Overdrive uh, this afternoon. Am I right, Brian? Who joins us now? What's going on? Yeah, I stick to the read. They, it's a yeah. full burgundy <laughs> I scenario. And, I don't. Yeah, yeah. I, I bet it's I, challenging I to, having. I, I, I try to freewheel it sometimes. I'm like, I know the contest. We've been doing this for a couple weeks now. I'm like, I can probably handle this, and then I completely butchered it. Oh, yeah. I know. Believe just me, make I've sure learned. you pr- just make sure you proofread it when Arad's doing the reads. <laughs> yes, I will. I will make sure. I think it's just copy and paste at this point. But um, I've learned now. You start getting off script and thinking, I'll just, and then you are in a dark place really yeah, quickly. That's me so right now. That's, if you can read me. it, yeah. read it every. It's printed. Time. It's just not ready. Remember. Yes, that. exactly. <laughs> that, uh, well, that is well said. Valid. So, yes. Brian, today is Vince Carter's 46th birthday, and I contend that the Vince Carter debate here in the city, whether you love him or you hate him, is the most divisive sports Toronto sports topic that there is. There are some people who are so far on one side like me. Like I think Vince Carter, the way that we here in Toronto revere him, or at least some people do, is truly despicable and heinous. And it actually sickens me to think about how much how much kudos and respect he still garners in the city all these years after he abandoned the team, stopped dunking, told the opposition team what play they were running, quit on the team. They got Aaron Williams, Eric Williams, and whatever, Joey Graham for him. And then you have the other side. People are like, oh, Vince Carter, so big for Canadian basketball. And without him, who knows what we would be like in this country. Where do you stand on the Vince Carter debates? Yeah, I think it, it softened a lot when, when they won a championship. And then that a lot of people to just kind of breathe based on the the previous history because I think Vince was at the epicenter of of the reputation of the Raptors and the lack of self-esteem that I think a lot of Raptor fans had prior to them winning the championship where you could finally puff your chest out and say it's all good but I lean more towards where you're at AK I I saw it the same way I, I remember it vividly I remember Going down to see him his rookie year, I remember seeing him play and what he represented and the hype and the popularity, and that is 100% factual. But there there has been revisionist history in terms of the way it went out and people pushing this idea that Vince was not in the wrong, you know, focused more on ownership, focused more on management, on coaching, all of which is legitimate to an extent. Rob Babcock was the GM. It was a mess. You know, the, the ownership probably was not bringing to the table everything they possibly could. But as much as Vince put them on the map, which was true when he showed up, he was the biggest thing in the game. I mean, this is Jordan was still playing, and it was like if Vince rolled through town, he had to go see him play. He also ripped them off the map the way he went out. So it was it, that never came up enough. It was like, well, he put them on the map. He put them on the map. And then he, he lit the map on fire on his way out. And uh, the way he went out was ridiculous. It was a demanding of a trade. Even that has somehow, the reporting on that has changed over time. And I don't understand that. But it's like, oh, he didn't actually really want out. Yes, he did. 
Everyone Absolutely saw it. You just you just referenced what was going on. He literally was like, "I'm not dunking anymore." It's like, yeah. you know, his he he would be complaining and moping around all the time. He was dying to get out, and uh, he represented what the majority of star players represented throughout the history of this team prior to the championship run. Prior to really Lowry and Demar showing up, was a guy who was reluctantly here, and then he left because he couldn't take it anymore for whatever reason, and. I, I'm not one that's going to forget that. I, I don't believe he should have his jersey retired. Yeah. I don't think he should be the first one for sure. Um, but, yeah, it's. I think, again, it has softened since 19 for sure and really the last seven or eight years because they've been a prominent team and a winning team. But uh, it was it was ugly the way he went out, and I think a lot of people yeah. have kind of given up on those true details. For sure. Uh, again, Brian Hayes, the host of Overdrive, is our guest. Let me just put into perspective here. When Vince was on the Raptors for the first 20 games of that season, he averaged 15 eight points per game. Then he gets traded to the New Jersey Nets, averages 28 points per game. Yeah, he was really invested in his time in Toronto. Yeah, he was yeah, working was real mail-in. hard. Yeah. It was yeah. a complete oh, mail-in. It was forcing yeah. his way out. He was done exactly. mentally. He had left. And uh, it's not his fault that they... They they worked out a horrible trade. Like, that deal was horrendous. Oh. That was the Alonzo Mourning deal, too, where Mourning didn't yeah, even yeah. pick up the phone and acknowledge their existence. <laughs> so that gross. hurts. Um, and, you know, the Williams and the picks weren't even that strong. It was a terrible Joey Graham. trade. Yeah. Joey Graham. The worst. Yeah. Terrible it was, trade. It was, it was worse than Koliakovo and Steen for Stepniak. Um, <laughs> close. It, close, yeah. It's funny, Hayes. You, you know, when you work with somebody, you can really understand them by what what gets them to tick and the minute you say the word Vince Carter the name Ugh. Vince Carter with AK it's like he's ready to go full Hulk Hogan I, rip I, the I shirt do remember off. Carlo when we were at game five of the finals Vince was there and yeah. he was in the back. I remember standing there. I'm like, should I go and talk to Vince? Then I'm like, you know what? Like, yeah. <laughs> he actually despised him so much. But it kind of humanizes here. Yeah, because, you know, I'm growing up. It's 2004. I'm like, I don't know what, 15 years old. Huge Raptors fan. And, yeah. you know, the whole Vince Carter thing goes down. And I'm just so heartbroken because I loved Vince Carter. Everybody loved Vince Carter. But mm-hmm. it's it, the whole, the well was poison. And, the fact that certain fans and there's documentaries that have been made where they're all very, very friendly to Vince and what happened at the end in Toronto, you know, it's just something that I'm never going to get over. And there's a lot of fans who feel the same way. Yeah, well, good thing that we move on in life. We find a way at least, and you have Some a championship to celebrate. Well, Hayes, let's transition to the current day Raptors. Do you go to bed at night or wake up in the morning? upset when the Raptors win a game? <laughs> yeah, I, I'm close to that. The The problem I have with it is is Masai and, and Bobby Webster have not determined how they feel yet. Exactly. Right? So it is difficult to make a call on that because I, I still don't know and I don't think anyone truly has an answer on what their plan is between now and, and the deadline, which is like two weeks away. So if they decide to sell off, and they announce a tank. Yes, every win is is painful. You know, is is something that you you don't want to achieve because once you're in, you got to be in, right? Like you got to try to lose every single night. You're hoping to lose every single night because you understand what's at the end of the trail, and that's hopefully a lottery win, and and you know at least picking in the top two or three, which would be incredibly beneficial. But they haven't made that decision yet. Like personally, I'm there. Yes, I, I think yeah. it's time for them to unload some pieces. Not everyone. You're not trading every prominent piece you have. No one's suggesting that. But I think a piece or two 
of the core of the starting five and, you know, maybe pull back on some minutes, maybe start running some plays through some younger players and acknowledging that this just is not your year because I, last time I checked, last uh, last night, I think they're sixth last in the NBA. Even with right. a win last night, they're still they're in the bottom ten and comfortably in the bottom ten. One win will not change that. This road trip will not change that. But in terms of a big picture plan and how quickly they think they can turn it around and how many of these individual pieces they believe can still be a part of a winning program, we don't have that answer yet. So I think, again, we keep talking about the fan base and the perception of things. I think it's kind of a confusing time in Raptor history because the standings would suggest they're already there. They're already tanking. They're much closer to the bottom than they are the top. Even if they sneak in, they're not doing anything. No. Right? Like, even if they get into a play-in, they're not doing anything. They're not going anywhere. So I, I think it makes all the sense in the world, especially considering the amount of talent at the top of the draft to just commit to it. You've already gone this far. It's almost February, right? No yeah. one's saying no one's saying rip the Band-Aid off and be awful in camp. You know, we've already been through this death march effectively mm. of a season, so you might as well put it over the top like they did down in Orlando. Same thing in the bubble. We got to this point, you realized it's not their year, and they said, fine, we'll fully commit to it the last 25, 30 games. So, yeah, I'm, I'm prepared for them to lose, prepared for them to tank, but I, I don't have a clear-cut message on how Messiah and Bobby Webster feel yet. And I, I think I can speak for most people in town when I say that that makes it a little bit more uh, murky and a little bit more confusing. Definitely. And there is this prevailing thought that Gary Trent Jr. will be traded. And I'm starting to lean towards the idea of trying to re-sign him because, number one, I guess he provides a couple of things that the Raptors desperately need. Number one, youth. Uh, He's 24 years old. Number two, he can shoot the ball as well as any player on the team. So you're going to trade him away. And you're then you're going to go look for that guy. Immediately looking for a 24-year-old yeah. guy who can shoot the three and play D. I mean, he's averaging three threes and, and, and two steals per game. And since he returned from that hip injury, I mean, the guy's playing great basketball. Fred Van Vliet on the other side. I feel like anytime you talk about the idea of a Fred Van Vliet trade, it's, you always have to add the, or to begin the sentence with, I love Fred Van Vliet, but. But, yeah. Every, because yeah, everybody yeah. feels the same way about Fred Van Vliet, but at the same time, he's 29 years old. He is going to be in line for a massive contract from someone. It's starting to sound. And it looks like, like his body's Orlando. breaking down too. Yeah, and 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 his body. I mean, yeah, he's been into the lineup. Orlando has Jeff Weltman as their president. Used to be the GM of the Raptors. Was with Ujiri and Webster. Was there when Van Vliet signed and signed his first contract with the Raps. So it uh, sounds like the magic thing is picking up. But I think if Brian, if they're going to move anybody. I think there's a pretty legitimate argument to be made. It should be Van Vliet and not Gary Trent. Yeah, well, I think Van Vliet is likely the guy on the outside looking in. It feels that way, and it's felt that way for for a while, especially considering the role they're asking him to play. Um, now, when when Fred can shoot, he can he is one of your best shooters, what you just said about Trent. And Van Vliet has been shooting much better recently. His percentages continue to go up. But they're asking him to play off the ball a lot more. Um, I'm not sure he's ecstatic with that. And everything else you detailed, they've gotten a lot out of Fred Van Vliet, an unsigned free agent. They have tapped that well, and he's been well compensated for it as well. But I, in pro sports, you know, it's rare that you you get, especially in the NBA, that you get five, six years into a tenure before you're flipping. I mean, the NBA moves quickly, man. There's a lot of turnover. So just based on that alone, being objective and taking emotion out of it, 
I think it's very likely that Van Vliet is on his way out. Now, if that happens between now and the trade deadline, I'm not sure. Is it a sign-and-trade scenario? I'm not sure. Um, but what is not going to happen, what I cannot picture being a, a reality, is that they sign all these pieces that they currently have that clearly are not good enough as a collective and then spend into the luxury. That's just not going to happen. No. Like, you can't, you're not going to ownership and saying, yeah, you know, we're, we're 12th in the East, but we want to bring back literally everyone, <laughs> and you have to pay a tax for that. Right. It's not happening. Like, Siakam's going to get paid a fortune. If you're re-signing Trent, it's going to be a big bump. You still haven't reached a point where you're giving Scotty Barnes big money. That's on the horizon. And um, I think Fred would be the odd man out. And I think that's what has to be determined between now and February 9th is if he is, like, find the deal. You know, you, you guys were talking about it yesterday with Bobby Marks, and he was detailing, you know, what might be available. And, again, the price is not going to be that high because of what he said right. and because of his contractual situation. But it might be worth it, and it might help the tank, right? Like, if you're committing to a tank and you're moving pieces out, what I would wonder is if you're bringing back Trent, you know Barnes is staying. I think Siakam's staying. The question then becomes Ananobi, right? Right. Is if you're going to keep Trent, if you're going to keep Siakam, Barnes is going to be a piece. If you're bottoming out, you're going to get a high-end pick that hopefully can step in and start to contribute. What happens with OG? There's been so much smoke around him in terms of how happy he is here, whether he wants to stay here long-term. Um, I think that might be the player you circle. And again, I'm not suggesting it happens between now and the deadline, but possibly into the offseason because they're, they're likely going to move a couple of guys. And I think Van Vliet will be one of them. If Trent's not the other, you start to do the math, and it may end up being OG Ananobi. Yeah, it'll be an interesting couple weeks for the Toronto Raptors and their fans. I mean, the Leafs, I mean, there's going to be a ton of stuff going on with them ahead of the deadline. And also, I mean, the Tampa Bay Lightning, the Boston Bruins, the top dogs in the Atlantic Division. We'll be looking for some upgrades as well. So no shortage of great content for you guys on Overdrive. Again, you'll have the cue to call for the Waste Management Open Contest. Yeah. I'll give out the keyword in about 30 minutes. See, that's me reading there you the, go. Uh, the, the stuff. Hey, so you, owe, you owe your neighbor smart. a favor today with the snow shoveling. Dude, so it was sure. almost, there was a part of me that was a little disappointed because I was going to go out there last night, and it's it's there's some reprieve, right? Like the shovel, it was a big shovel. Like that yeah. was a massive shovel, and, and I was that was heroic, and I appreciate it. I, I shot him a text. I said, I owe you big time. And I'm going to have to repay that debt. But there is something, Carla, you can speak to this when you got young kids. You get up, you get upstairs, you're like, sorry, guys, I'm going out for an hour. You throw some headphones in. <laughs> yeah. It's very therapeutic. Um, and I think that was stolen from me. So yeah. from that standpoint, there's actually an element of, of bitterness. Well, you could but... go snow the end of his driveway with all the boulders that the uh, snow plows put at the end of people's oh, driveway this morning. It's the most frustrating yeah. part of it all is that you, <laughs> right. you actually shovel everything, and then the snow plow rolls through <laughs> and Jeez. just buries you, and you can't get out. Yeah, can't get out. Yeah, yeah, snow just... plow driver just cackling. Just oh, like, he oh, loves it. That. It's such My neighbor tried course. to plow through that t this morning, and he's literally stuck on top of the mound. <laughs> There's, it's the funniest thing that's happened to me before with my neighbor across the street, like stuck. Like, stuck. And, and the car's elevated because it's yeah. like a mini ramp. <laughs> And then they're stuck in between the tires. Yeah. And I don't know how you get out of that, but uh, <laughs> I would not suggest people try that. 
clearly. No, we'll figure do, it out. Do your best to try to shovel out. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly it. Brian, thank you for doing this. All right, boys. Thank you. See you, pal. All right, we'll see you. Brian Hayes, the host of Overdrive, 4 to 7 here on TSN 1050. We've got ESPN's Ed Werder standing by. He was in San Fran last week covering the Cowboys and the Niners. We'll get his thoughts on the future of the Cowboys and the future of the Niners as well with Brock Purdy and company in Philadelphia for the NFC title game coming up on Sunday. And our keyword coming up as well. Here we go. It's the third hour of First Up. This is TSN 1050.